Well, you know, it's really interesting um, how I got to preach today. <laughs> um, about a week, or a few weeks ago, actually, about a month ago, I knew that Anthony would be preaching last weekend at Life Church in PA, so he had asked me to preach, and I knew he would be traveling um, this weekend to go see his family for a few days. Um, and so I had said, because last week, after preaching, having three kids, being home by yourself, it was a little bit tough, so I said, mm, I'm going to let pass the baton on to Fernando. But God had given me an interesting word a month ago that would be my second message, which would have been for this week, and it was on being a peacemaker. And... Um, but I was like, I was being a bit lazy. I was like, oh, let's just ask Fernando to preach so that I could, uh, you know, just have a weekend, you know, to enjoy with my kids and so I could sleep, you know. And so in the aftermath and in light of all that happened this week, Friday morning, I think it was Thursday morning or Friday morning, I walked down the stairs and I felt the Holy Spirit said, I gave you the word for a reason. And I wanted you to preach. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And I'm going to tell Fernando he prepared all week. He can't preach. And Anyway, long story short, Anthony, as I was driving him to the airport, he said he felt in his gut that I was supposed to speak a word today. And I just think it's interesting that the theme he had me preach a month ago was before any of all this stuff had happened, which is being a peacemaker. But then also, 5 o'clock this morning, we received the news that Fernando had to go to the hospital. So I think God is perfect in all his ways. And when he speaks, we need to listen and we need to be sensitive uh, to that. But um can we just get right into it? I'm feeling really burdened this morning, um, as I'm sure many of you are. And so um, just together, we're going to get through this message and believe that it's going to do what the Holy Spirit wants it to do, which is bring change and hope and healing to our nation. Second Chronicles, I mentioned it a few moments ago, Second Chronicles 7.14 says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's pray. Father, I stand before you humbled because honestly what can you say in the aftermath of so much pain and heartache and loss and mourning and Lord just so much confusion that might seem to be taking place right now in our nation but I just pray that you would take these words that I know you gave me Father and will you would pierce them into the hearts and souls of your sons and daughters, that we would be the kind of people that would not live in fear, but that we would rise up knowing that we are the hope of the world because Jesus lives within us. And I pray that we would be courageous and brave, and we would be what you are calling us to be, peacemakers, in Jesus' name. And the Church Alive says, if you can and if you dare, I want you to repeat something after me in a few moments, if you can and if you dare. Because the reality is in church, it's so easy to come and hear a word and hear a message that will tickle our ears and encourage us and inspire us and even challenge us. And we're like, good word, pastor. Good word, sister. Preach it, girl. And it'll be all exciting until the moment we leave this place. And the question will be, will we actually do what the word of God has commanded us to do? 
because we, keep, we can keep learning. We can keep educating ourselves. But the real matter of the fact is, will we do what the Lord, as our God, is asking us to do? Will we rise up and be the hands and feet? Will we be the light of the world like it says in Scripture, like we sing about? We sing about it. We talk about it. We preach about it. But do we do it? So will you dare repeat these words after me? I will be a peacemaker. Come on, I will be a peacemaker. Will you be a peacemaker? Come on, together one more time. I will be a peacemaker. What does it mean for us today in 2016? In the aftermath of all that's been going on, and I'm not just talking about this week. I'm talking about the shootings in Orlando. I'm talking about countless things that happen in and every other week all the time. It's not just this week, although it takes sometimes things that happen like this week to wake us up and get us on our knees and start praying for unity. But what will it take? There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christians in this nation and if there are so many of us who call upon the name of Jesus, why aren't we making an even greater difference than we can? Are we too comfortable in our AC churches? Are we too comfortable just getting what we want to get so that we feel good? Or are we moved to the point that we can actually make a difference? We need to be moved to the point that we will actually step out of our comfort zone, do something that doesn't feel good so that someone else could feel good. I will be a peacemaker. Will you be a peacemaker? Yes, our country needs peace right now. Yes, our hearts, our minds, and our soul needs peace right now. But today, I want to challenge you and I want to charge us as a church that it goes further than peace. Because the reality is, yes, we need to pray for peace. But you know what Jesus says? You be the peacemaker. There's so many things. There's so many comments. Go on Facebook. There is war going on on Facebook right now. There is war, family against family, friends against friends, colleagues against colleagues, opinions. Oh my gosh, there's so much going on. There's so many things and we all have our right to an opinion and we all have our right to whatever it is that we think, but come on, let's bring peace. Let's be carriers of hope, carriers of honor. Will better leadership solve the problem? Sure, to some degree. Will prayer solve the problem? This may shake some people, sure, to some degree. Will awareness solve the problem? Sure, to some degree. Will better gun control solve the problem? Maybe, to some degree. Will vengeance solve the problem? I don't think so. Will fear and hate solve the problem? Never. This next thing I might say might shake some people and may even cause people to think, of, you know, am I actually a real preacher of the gospel but can we even say that Jesus will solve the problem sure if G people will believe on Jesus but what about the people who don't believe on Jesus so yes Jesus will be the problem if you believe in him but if people don't believe in him he won't be the solution to them so where is the solution it lies in us who have Jesus it lies in us because you know what an atheist an atheist an atheist cannot believe in Jesus, may not even believe in God, but may know your life and know your testimony and be moved by your life, by your testimony, by how you present yourself, by your love, by the giving of hope, by the giving of honor. You see, it's you. You're the carrier of Jesus. You're the carrier of peace. So it doesn't matter. 
Yes, we need Jesus. Yes, this world needs Jesus. Absolutely. But what about those who don't believe in him? They need you. You need to be Jesus. You need to be the bringer of peace, the bringer of hope. You know, some people will say, well, what's the point? We try to bring peace and we try to bring honor, but good people still die. It doesn't matter. At least you die honorably. We live for the moment, but you know what? There's more to life than just living for the moment. There is eternity at stake. We've got to live with eternity in mind. He has set eternity in our hearts for a reason. We've got to rise up and remember who's in us so that he could flow out of us to this broken society that we live in. You know, we joke around with that cliche phrase, first world probs, right? USA, first world probs. Like, okay, which outfit? You call your friend, yo, BFF, I am so stressed. Why, what's going on, honey? I can't choose between this outfit and that outfit. First world problems. You call your, your brother, hey, Tony, I am so stressed. What's up, sis? I'm, I'm at the car dealer, and I can't choose between which lease I want. First world problems. I'm at the store, and I can't decide which steak to buy, filet mignon or ribeye. Filet mignon. <laughs> If you're Brazilian, top sirloin, hello, picanha. <laughs> Got to bring a little joke in a really heavy atmosphere. First world problems. The reality and the problem is this. In the United States of America, we have everything we want. Even if you don't like the home you live in, at least you have a home. Even if you don't like the car you drive in or the bus you have to take to get somewhere, at least you have a method of transportation. If you don't like your wardrobe, at least you've got a wardrobe. If you don't like the water that you drink because you wish it had strawberries and mint and all that stuff, at least you have fresh water coming out of your tap. The problem with America is we've got it all except for humility. We've got it all, pride included. But where's humility? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that was the first thing the word says, humble yourselves, then pray. Because how do we pray when there's pride in our heart? How do we come before God? What, what we wind up doing is, Lord, those people, like the Pharisees, you know that scripture where the Pharisee is praying and he's puffed up all up in, in, the, in the synagogue, whatever, and he's like, Lord, I don't want to be like that guy who sins. That's what pride does. It points fingers. When we come in humility, we realize that we need to be the change. Change starts with us. You want to know what the problem is right now? The problem is a problem of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. We're sinking in pride and in dishonor, but we've got to do better than this. In order to bring about peace, in order to be a peacemaker, we've got to bring about change in our heart. And it comes with humility. Last week, we spoke about dishonor and honor. We talked about honor being a lost virtue in our society. We talked about how honor is something that's so necessary. Blessing is attached to honor. But I would even say that what fuels honor is humility. What allows honor is to flow is humility. Check out some, uh, some examples of what humility is. Humility is the quality or state of not thinking you're better than other people. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, humility is not thinking 
of less of yourself it is thinking of yourself less humility is not thinking less of yourself it is thinking of yourself less some people think that humility means selling your car selling your position your possessions and walking around like a homeless person some people think that humility is if someone comes up to you and says great job pastor Kat, katie and she's like oh no i did a terrible job some people think that's humility no that's not humility that's false humility Humility is when we actually stop thinking so much about our own, our own success, our own things. Not that we don't have goals, not that we don't want to have things in life because God came to give us life abundantly. But we actually start thinking about goodness for other people. We start thinking about the well-being of other people. We start living so that other people as well can be blessed as we are blessed. That is humility. Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but uh, or being conceived, rather in humility value, value others above yourselves. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility value others above yourself. My husband Anthony taught me something years ago when our church was like 25 people, and that's probably counting the cockroaches at the Elks Lodge. We were desperate to like grow that church. We were like, Lord, there's 20 people but there's five roaches okay 25 you know and so uh and I'll never forget this one message he preached on humility and I don't know anything he said except for this one phrase he said humility is like putting a 10 on everyone's head humility is looking at a person and saying man she's a 10 obviously no one is perfect but if we could treat people like they're kings and queens if we could treat people like they're worthy if we could treat people with honor if we could treat people with value then people will act accordingly you act according to what you are called that's why the name in the bible the name you gave your child had so much significance to what kind of character and personality and the kind of person they were going to become so let's start treating people and acting um, and, and acting in a way that treats people with honor and respect bring honor but we can only do that if we flow out of humility humility is putting a 10 on everyone's head look to the person next to you say you look like a 10 humility is staying teachable regardless of how much you already know humility is staying teachable regardless of how much you already know. You know, as we pray and as, as we seek God as we should, I believe that as we bring things to God, and if we would take a moment to listen to what God has to say, we would start hearing things differently. As we come before God and as we ask him to bring peace to our nation, I believe God would say to us, then be a peacemaker. Lord God, bring peace to our nation. Okay, be a peacemaker. As we ask God to change our nation, I believe God will say to us, be the change. Come to church. Come be inspired. Come be filled up. Come be challenged. Come to church. But then on Monday, go be the church. On Tuesday, go be the church. On Wednesday, go be the church. On Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. And guess what? Sunday after church, go be the church. Come on, there is enough ch church attendance. Actually, no, there isn't. We can always keep growing. But there is not enough of being the church. We've got to be the church. As we cry out to God and say, Jesus, these people need you. I believe that Jesus looks at us and says, right, you've got me. Now go be me. Be Jesus. Be the light. Be the light. 
how can we be peacemakers? How can we bring peace in the midst of chaos, peace in the midst of pain, peace in the midst of mourning and grieving and confusion and anger and hatred? There's so much stuff going on right now. What can we do to make a difference? What can we do to be the light? What can we do? How can Church Alive be a part of the solution? It starts with humility. Acknowledging that while we may have our opinions, our opinions aren't always the answer. My goodness, oh my gosh, so many of my friends, and pretty much none of them from our church, but just friends from high school and college, oh, it's just shut up. Do you know what I mean? It's like, stop. Your opinion isn't helping anybody. It's actually causing more anger. Can we just, like, stop? It's great. We have social media. So now we feel like everything we think about, everything we think we're entitled to, we should just blurt it out without thinking of the ramifications of our opinions. Who are the people who are reading our posts that you may not have any wrong intention in hurting them, but you're hurting them? Let's be mindful. Let's be wise. Let's be prudent. Let's take the platforms that have been given to us, social media, wherever it is, whatever sphere of influence you have, let's take those platforms seriously. And instead of condemning, instead of judging, instead of being angry, let's be the light. Let's shed some peace. Let's be carriers of hope, carriers of peace, carriers of purpose, carriers of all these things. Because if we don't, if we're not the light, then darkness will consume. It is up to us. Oh, but the world needs Jesus. I know. If you have him, be Jesus. That's the only way. You know, a lot of times, and this is not, we're not the kind of church that speaks what other churches are doing, blah, 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 blah. But one of the things that we will not be here at Church Alive, one of the things that we will not do here at Church Alive, we will not be the kind of church that will preach to instill fear that will preach to instill, instill doom and gloom, like, oh, if you don't change, Jesus coming back tomorrow and you're going to go to hell. We're not, that's not who we are. We speak life. The truth of the matter is there will be a time where Jesus comes back for his church, the bride. There will be a time that we will go in glory, whether we, in this time or the next generation, who knows? Maybe, you know, I don't know. But there will be a time. But until then, I'm not going to instill fear in my church. I'm going to instill faith and bring and, and cause action and cause change. Because fear will only change things for a few moments. But burden, a godly burden will be what will cause change. This morning, I would like to set a charge or a challenge to every single one to decide today. Decide right now. Decide as we walk out of these doors, even if you're coming for the next experience, you have 30 minutes or however long, depends on how long I preach, um, to, to do something and to go make a difference. Sometimes it takes one step, one time to start a habit. 21 days it takes to, to kick a habit or start a habit. But you got to start somewhere. And what if today, every single person, across, across three, three services, we have over 350, almost 400 people or something like that. And we're not counting roaches. <laughs> and what if every single person did something to bring about peace? What kind of movement would we create? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? I love this Facebook post by a woman I don't know, but it's going viral. Her name is Natasha Howell. And on Facebook, if 
some people are not familiar with Facebook, you can choose the mood you're in. You can say you're feeling upset, heartbroken, happy, whatever it is. And she put her, she's feeling hopeful. This is a black woman. And she put, this morning, I went into a convenience store, and this was two days ago she wrote this, to get a protein bar. As I walked through the door, I noticed that there were two white police officers, one about my age, the other several years older, talking to the clerk, an older white woman, behind the counter, about the shootings that have gone on in the past few days. They all looked at me and fell silent. I went about my business to get what I was looking for. As I turned back up the aisle to go pay, the oldest officer was standing at the top of the aisle watching me. As I got closer, he asked me how I was doing. I replied, okay, and you? He looked at me with a strange look and asked me, how are you really doing? I looked at him and said, I'm tired. His reply was, me too. Then he said, I guess it's not easy being either of us right now, is it? I said, no, it's not. Then he hugged me and I cried. I'd never seen that police officer before in my life. I have no idea why he was moved to talk to me. What I do know is that he and I shared a moment this morning that was absolutely beautiful. No judgments, no justifications, just two people sharing a moment. And check out her hashtag, found a moment of clarity. We don't have to go win a lottery to change someone's life. Do you know what people need sometimes? Just a hug. I know that sounds so like from a girl. Oh, that's so cliche, Miriam, you're a girl. So what? I like hugs. I even hug strangers. I know I'm one of those weird people. You will have no idea what a look of compassion, a hug, a handshake to a stranger and just say, I hope you have a great day. What that can do. A cup of coffee. Someone's behind you in line. Give the cash person the cashier, what do you call those people? The clerks, whatever. Give them five bucks, 10 bucks, say I want you to take care of the person behind me. Go through the pay toll, give them five bucks, pay for the person behind me. Do something, pay it forward with the love that you've got. Make a difference. There's so much good in the midst of so much bad that has been happening this week, this month, these past few years. I mean, in, in the entirety of the history of our nation, there's always bad. Until the day that Jesus comes back, there will always be good versus evil. There will always be that. But what I love about our Father is that even in the midst of pain and chaos and confusion and, and heartbreak, people choose to still do good and he can turn what it was intended for bad into something good and I love that this police officer and this woman Natasha were able to have a moment and then I love another good story as there were protests happening in I think it was in LA I'm not even sure now there's there's stuff going on everywhere right now in, in our nation there was a line of policemen to protect the protesters but look at what happened a line of black men stood in front of the policemen to protect the policemen good. That's good. That's bringing good. That's showing unity. I mean, I can tell you countless stories of good amidst all the war going on. There's so much good going on. And can we be a part of the good? Can we be a part of the stories that we can post to bring hope? You know, sometimes, you know, I wonder if she or, or other people posted something of good that they did, and they may have thought, well, maybe they're going to think I'm bragging or I'm boasting in my good deeds. But you know what? The world needs to hear good. The world needs to hear a good thing. If you do a good thing, hashtag, I will be a peacemaker. 
Come on. Do good. How can we become peacemakers? Humble yourself. Can I even for a moment make us pause about everything that's happening in our nation and bring it to maybe even a family situation or a work situation or whatever situation you're in? Maybe you need to humble yourself. Strip, of your, strip yourself of some entitlement. Strip yourself of some pride because maybe you need to bring peace to a home situation, to a spouse situation, to a children's situation, to a parent situation. But your pride is not letting peace come. Humble yourself. You're hearing this word. This word is for you. It's not for your sister or your husband or your mother or your father who's not listening to this. You're listening to this. So if that applies to you, bring peace to your home. Swallow your pride. It's not worth it. Humble yourself. How do we become peacemakers? Humble yourself. Being humble means recognizing we are not on earth to see how important we can become, but to see how much difference we can make in the lives of others. Hear that again. Being humble means recognizing that we are not on earth to see how important we can become, but to see how much difference we can make in the lives of others. How can we become peacemakers? Humble yourself. Number two, bring goodness. It's just wrapping it all up. Being a peacemaker means bringing a sense of calm or well-being where there is chaos or strife. Bringing a sense of calm, not adding fuel where there is already fire burning. Bringing peace and bringing faith and bringing hope, bringing kindness, bringing encouragement. Being a carrier of honor, a carrier of peace, a carrier of hope. We already joined hands and prayed for our nation, prayed for our brothers and sisters, prayed for unity. But what about if today we've heard the word, we've worshiped, we're about to give in a few moments. But how about you complete the sermon this morning and you go and apply the word of being a peacemaker? Because that's where actual power will come. You could be like, wow, that's a powerful word, Pastor Miriam. For me, it's not powerful until I see people actually doing what the word of God says. That's where real power comes. Put a 10 on everyone you see today. Stay humble. I will be a peacemaker. Will you be a peacemaker? Can we say it together? I will be a peacemaker. Why don't we stand to our feet? In every worship experience, we give every single person an opportunity, if you haven't already, to make peace with God. We give every single person the opportunity, if you haven't already, to say, God, would you forgive me of my sins and, and make him Lord of your life? You see, Jesus is either three things. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. Because you see, his claims are too far big. He says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. There's so many claims in scriptures. He allowed people to worship him, and so he is either a liar for saying all the things and prophesying all the things he prophesied. He's either crazy, a lunatic for saying all those things, or he says, or who he is who he says he is. And if he is who he says he is, we have a responsibility to answer to the call to allow him to be Lord of your life. 
Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It means it doesn't matter who you are. You could be a pastor. You could be the pope. You could be whoever it is that you are. We have all sinned and we all fall short. And that means we all need a savior. Romans 6.23 says that the wage of sin is death. But Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And here's the beautiful part. Our only response to that truth is found in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It says, if we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. So why don't we close our eyes? I'm not sure if there's someone in here, but pretty much every single weekend we see people make decisions for Jesus decisions that they know they need to have their sins forgiven and they want to come in relationship with Jesus. They want to follow Jesus. They don't want to just be a fan of Jesus, but they want to be a disciple. They want to be a follower of him. And one of the cool things about being a pastor of this church is we help people along that journey. So you wouldn't do it alone. But all across this room, if that's you, if you're saying, yeah, I want to place my trust in Jesus today. I want him to forgive me of my sins. I don't know all about it. I don't understand all about it. But I at least want to take one step towards him. Because as you do that, he takes a step towards you. So all across this room, why don't you slip up your hand just so I could acknowledge it. I won't call you forward. I just want to pray for you. From the youngest to the oldest. Doesn't matter who you are. I'll give you a few moments now. All across this room, it's just a slip of the hand. If you want to make that decision today to place your hope and your trust in him, I'll wait a moment for you. We're going to pray together. And as we pray together, if you feel something inside saying, you know, that I should have raised my hand, then you have a moment after church at our box office to connect with one of our leaders. But we're going to just pray together and believe God together. Dear God, thank you for the price you paid on the cross of Calvary. Forgive me of my sins. I commit to you my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.